This is Bustin' Loose Baseball with Grant and Danny. Interviews, analytics, and analysis on everything baseball in the nation's capital. Wanted to hit real quick on Luis Garcia. He's running out of a little bit of gas here, Danny. 327 in June, 327 in August, hitting about 230 here in 21 games and about 90 at-bats in September. His OPS by month, 817, 561, 833, and 614 right now. Post-All-Star break, hitting 256. OPS down about 40 points since the break. This is the roller coaster ride when you swing at everything. When you are up there waving that bat at whatever comes your way, you're going to be susceptible to this. You swing at balls, you make outs. Vladimir Guerrero Sr. notwithstanding, who got base hits off balls that bounced or pitches over his eyes or on pitch outs or everything in between. But for normal mortal human beings, if you swing at balls, you get out. You've done the pitcher a favor. This is where plate discipline comes into play. You know, listen, it's not always about taking walks. It's about getting yourself into plus counts, getting yourself into places where you feel comfortable, you know, firing and guessing on what's coming. It's not always about taking four balls. It's about getting to a three and one. It's about getting two and oh. It's about getting to a place where the pitcher's got to come in and you haven't done him any favors by swinging at that sinker out of the zone or that slider off the plate or that change up that breaks out of the zone or a fastball up at your eyes, whatever it is. When you are swing away Sam. You're going to be hot at times where everything finds the barrel and everything finds a hole, and you're going to go off a cliff here and there. Good thing for him, he's, you know, he's head up. He's still the same guy coming to the ballpark every day. He'll bounce back from these sorts of things. I think he understands maybe his process to that degree, but nobody's saying you've got to be Ricky Henderson. That'd be nice if you were, but nobody's saying you've got to, you know, be Barry Bonds in Pittsburgh where you walk more than anybody else, but you got to do it some. You got to get into plus counts, you got to take balls. And when he's just up there swinging happy, pitchers are more than happy to not throw him a strike and have him get out. It's it's kind of the corollary for being on the ride. I hope he kind of picks it up before the end of the season so he ends on a nice t- nice note, uh, just you know, kind of for his benefit going into the next year. But at some point, there's going to have to be some modicum of plate discipline from him. Otherwise, we're just going to do this. I was sent this uh, tweet <clears throat> excuse me, from Jessica Camarado. I love this. Uh, This was going into Monday night's game against Atlanta. Jessica Camarado, top four players with 61 hits and 12 home runs in their first 46 major league games. Uh, Now, uh, top four is a weird phrase there, but I think the point is that there are four players who have done that. So, again, you're talking about 61 hits and 12 home runs over 46 games. Obviously, Manessis did that. Do you want to hear the other three guys? I bet you they're pretty good. Ryan Braun with Milwaukee. Yep. Jordan Alvarez with Houston. Yep. Orlando Cepeda with the San Francisco Giants. Wow. And Joey Manessis. How about it? I mean, we are at a point where on Manessis, you can start dreaming a little bit that maybe there's some legitimacy to what he's doing offensively. And I have felt for a while like this guy can flat out hit. I really believe that. He's had monster seasons in AAA on multiple occasions. I have no delusions that over 162 he would hit 35 home runs, but I do think he could be a 25 homer, 80 RBI, like 275, 280 hitter in the big leagues. I really believe that. I I only, yeah, it's I I know that wasn't very profound my response to what you're saying. I was I, only, I was thinking I only I only wish I wish I'd seen it from the beginning of the season, 
And I understand why. I know how we got well, here. I mean, he did it in AAA, night in and night out. We I know. We were talking about him on this podcast. I, I'd love to have seen it at the big league level, and I cannot wait next year. I can't wait for him to go through the rhythms of a, a major league grind in a season because the longer you do something, the more it is that's just what you are, right? It's no longer a streak. It's no longer a fluke. It's just kind of, yeah, this is this is what it is, good, bad, or indifferent, right? We talked about it with Patrick Corbin on a negative way. For a little while, he didn't pitch well. Well, Patrick Corbin's not pitching well. Now we kind of know Patrick Corbin's not great, right? That's the new reality of the world. Conversely, with Manessis, the longer he kind of keeps these sorts of streaks going, it's not just about the hot. We talk about this all the time on this podcast. The way to get great numbers is to limit the valleys. The way to get great counting stats at the end of the year is when everyone else is going two for 36, you're, you know, five for 20. Not the end of the world, not great, but you you limit those really, really bad times. He was in a little bit of a funk, and a lot of folks maybe who are waiting for the shooter drop are going, okay, here's your regression back down to earth. You know, like every human being that's ever played this game. And it lasted for, like, what, two or three games? And he's right back to hitting tracers, right back to giving great at-bats, right back to putting the barrel on the ball. It's been awesome to watch. I, I'm frankly excited, giddy, about the possibility of him hitting in the middle of this order Next year, for you know whatever kind of team they end up putting together, he should have a should be a part of it. I think that's obvious and intuitive now. But B, I I, I would love to see it as, as you assemble a lineup and see what he could do over a full season. All right, one other thing to hit before we get out of here, and this is just on the division. As we record this podcast on Tuesday afternoon, the Mets are one game up on the Braves. This is by far the most competitive. Best race in baseball coming down the stretch here. Atlanta's won three in a row. Uh, the Mets have actually gained ground, though, over the last 10 days. Uh, they're 8-2 and two in their last 10 games. Who do you think will win this division? I'm going to give you the schedules remaining. The Mets just finished their series with the Athletics, pounded them 13-4 to four on Sunday. They were off yesterday. They've got the Marlins for two today and tomorrow. Then they've got a three-game series with the Braves, which may determine the division, by the way. And then they finish with their three games against the Nationals. So five against the Marlins and the Nats, three against Atlanta. For the Braves, they have the Nationals today and tomorrow, three against the Mets, and then three against the Marlins. So basically the inver- the flips uh, of, of what the Mets are dealing with. They both play the Marlins and the Nats five times. The Braves play the Marlins one more time than the Mets do, and then they play each other three times. So essentially identical remaining schedules, one game separating them. How do you think it ends? It all depends on, on how many times Sandy Alcantara pitches against those two teams. I'm only sort of kidding. Uh, I, I've, I predicted Atlanta, even after their terrible start, Months ago, I always felt like they would walk down the Mets just because of how talented they are, and I felt like the Mets are always kind of banged up and just sort of have fallen apart in some of these moments. So I'm going to stick with that, but again, it, it's a coin toss to me. The Mets, of course, have the advantage of that one game up, and, and they're so well built, and it seems like you know their their big two is is getting healthy at the exact right time. So I don't know, man. I, I, I've said the Braves, and I feel like there's no reason to waver from that. I'm going to ride with the Mets, and I'm pulling for them as weird as that is to say, uh, because I love Max that much. And also Buck Showalter is probably my favorite manager in the history of baseball. But if you look at uh, just their last trip through the rotation here over the last week, Chris Bassett was really good, eight innings, two runs. Scherzer, his last start, six innings, one run, seven strikeouts. Um, Jacob DeGrom. How about that bum DeGrom? What, that guy will never make it. Stunk up the joint. Six hits and five runs and four innings. He had walked four. 
and uh, Taiwan Walker got hit around a little bit. But you're right. Now they've got Scherzer and DeGrom healthy and in that rotation, seeming like right at the perfect time. Appreciate everybody listening, as always, to Bustin' Loose Baseball. Please subscribe, rate the show, review the show, leave a nice comment. And uh, next episode of Bustin' Loose Baseball, we will read some of those comments. If you say something nice, we'll give you a shout-out. We are not above that. Danny, final thought. I'm excited to see these young kids play these meaningful games. Not for them, but uh, against these teams that really need it, just to see kind of what you're made of and get that experience like we talked about at the top. But uh, go Joey Manessis, man. Must see TV. Yeah, hopefully uh, he can hit another bomb or two because your boy picked him up in a home run derby fantasy pool that I'm in. Oh. And I am clinging right now to a couple of home run edge, thanks largely to Manessis. All right, we'll talk to you again very soon. Bust and lose baseball in the books. Thanks for listening.